Hello, we're the Lindsay and Lauren Podcast Network, and today we're going to be discussing the very controversial case of the Menendez brothers. I'm one of your hosts, Lauren Coyne. And I'm the other host, Lindsay Mariano. So let's just get right into it. On August 20th, 1989, Jose and Mary Menendez were shot to death in their Beverly Hills home. Their sons, Lyle and Eric Menendez, are serving their life sentences without the possibility of parole in jail after receiving a guilty conviction for the murder of their parents. The Menendez family, from the outside, was the perfect American family. Jose was a Cuban immigrant who worked hard to create a good life for his family, starting at the bottom as a fugitive, to the Cuban Revolution. He married Mary Kitty Menendez, and the two rose to stature as Jose became an entertainment executive. As an executive, Jose worked with bands such as Duran Duran and Eurythmics. Lyle and Eric were the perfect average wealthy sons. Lyle was an up-and-coming tennis player playing at Princeton University who was destined to follow his father's footsteps in the executive business. Eric was a nationally ranked tennis player, perceived as a hard-working teenager by the public. Although it appeared otherwise, their lives were less than perfect. Eric began to run with some teenage delinquents and was in trouble for multiple burglaries. Meanwhile, at Princeton University, Lyle was suspended for an entire year for plagiarism. So what exactly happened when Eric and Lyle killed their parents? On August 18, 1989, the Menendez brothers went to a sporting goods store and purchased a gun in San Diego, hours from their family's mansion. On August 19th, their family went on a wholesome shark fishing excursion on a yacht, seemingly going without a hitch. On August 20th, Lyle and Eric ambushed their parents while watching TV in the den and shot 15 bullets into their parents. Eric landed the first shot into Jose's head and a fatal blow into Kitty's face. Lyle continued next with shots going beyond overkill. After leaving the crime scene, the brothers went to Mulholland Drive and dumped their guns before buying Batman tickets and sitting through their movie. After watching and enjoying some popcorn, the two headed to their parents' house. Lyle called 911 and sobbed into the phone. Somebody killed my parents! The boys cried on the front lawn uncontrollably while waiting for the police to arrive. When they eventually gained their inheritance, they spent their money flavorfully, spending $700,000 of their $16 million inheritance within the first six months of their parents' deaths buying cars, investing, and lavish vacations. The two acted as if they had won the lottery instead of grieving children. The brothers were not originally suspected of the crime. It was weird the way that they spent their money, but people grieve in their own ways. Eventually, the guilt overcame Eric, and he confessed his involvement to a psychotherapist, Dr. L. Jerome Ozeal, who taped their sessions and shared the information with his mistress. His mistress immediately went to the police and turned in his confession. The police arrested Lyle and Eric in March of 1990. For three years following the murders, legal battles were fought over admissibility of the confession tapes that Dr. Ozeal had. Eventually, California Supreme Court ruled that two of the three tapes would be admissible. When the trial began, skeletons appeared that no one could have expected from the family that only years ago appeared to be a perfect, wealthy suburban family. Eric and Lyle admitted to the murders, but claimed that they had acted in self-defense, fearing their abusive father and indifferent mother. The brothers claimed that they killed their parents because of a threat they received from their father's days earlier. Their father told Eric if he ever told anyone about the sexual abuse, he would kill Eric. Yes, you heard correctly, sexual abuse. According to Eric and Lyle Menendez, their father Jose was an extremely intimidating man who sexually and emotionally abused his children. Jose subjected both of his sons to perform incidents of sexual activity, including penetrative intercourse, oral sex, and sexual torture, where they were physically or sexually punished if they cried or did not act to his father's expectations. This abuse continued for Eric well into his teenage years, and worsened when his older brother left for college. For Lyle, who did not know how long the abuse continued for Eric, it ended when he was 12 years old. Here is a clip of Eric explaining one of the punishments his father forced him to take part in because he, as a child, cried at the doctor's office. 
Eric's father claimed this abuse was pain training and it would help his sons become more of a man. What was he referring to? Do you know? He was referring to a shot I got in the doctor's office um, when, uh, when I was in this doctor's office and he was there. The doctor had pulled out this needle and I was real calm and I was real relaxed until he stuck it in me and I was screaming and crying and, and really crying out um, to the point where I had to go out the back door uh, of the office. And uh, why'd you have to go out the back door of the office? Because I was embarrassed, but he was so embarrassed that he could not leave and go into a group of people who were in the doctor's um, office waiting room. Who's he? Who was embarrassed? My father. Okay. So you were crying and he didn't want to walk you through the waiting room because you were crying? No, he didn't want to walk through the waiting room because I had been screaming in the doctor's office. Okay. Were you still screaming? No. He just didn't want anybody to know who was the screaming kid? Yes. Okay. And after this, he made this announcement to you about your being sissy and coward? Yes. And, and he, what did he tell you he was going to do about that, if anything? He told me that he was going to train me how not to not to feel pain, not to have to uh, feel the hurt of the pain, and that he was going to eliminate that from my uh, senses, my feelings. And how uh, did he then demonstrate to you how he was going to do that? He did that. Would you back up from the mic a little bit? Thank you. And would you tell us, how did he do that? He would stick things in me as he was giving me oral sex, or at times he would just sit on the bed with his legs up, uh, um, spread, and with his back to the, to the back of the bed, and he would have me give him oral, me oral sex, and he would stick the needles or the tacks into my thighs uh, as he was doing this. Did he also... Aside from the sexual abuse, Eric's father was an extremely manipulative and intimidating father when it came to tennis. If Eric did not play well in his tournaments, allegedly he would be severely punished. Eric's father sexually abused him for his entire life until he was 18 years old when Eric could not take it anymore. Eric had never told anyone for two reasons. He thought no one would believe him, and his father had told him he would kill Eric if he ever told anyone. However, Eric had told one person, his cousin Andy Canoe, around the age of 10. Canoe testified in court saying Eric had told him, however, he begged to never tell anyone. However, as Eric got older, he could not allow this to happen to many more. He confessed to his brother Lyle after he had played poorly in a tennis match and feared what his father would do to him. When Eric told Lyle, they were both very confused. Eric thought Lyle would have known and just hadn't helped him. And Lyle had no idea any of this was going on as Lyle's sexual abuse stopped years ago. Lyle confronted the father about what he had been doing to Eric and this marked the beginning of the end for the Menendez family. As this all came to light, it was apparent that Kitty Menendez was aware of the abuse happening, which sparked the motive to kill their mother as well. Eric was deeply hurt by his mother knowing and allowing it to happen. However, Kitty was no perfect mother, aside from ignoring the abuse. She was described by the brothers as crazy, and you never knew what mood she was going to be in. She would lock Eric in her closet for hours on end to make him do his homework, as Jose would blame and hurt Kitty if Eric did poorly in school. And it was said that she would scream at the top of her lungs as if she was having a mental breakdown at the boys, constantly for no apparent reason. To summarize, it seemed like Kitty was an unstable mother who took her anger out on her sons, claiming that they ruined her life. Eric also claimed he had a scholarship offer to play tennis at Brown University. However, his father would not allow him to go that far from home, and he was forcing Eric to go to UCLA. This terrified and upset Eric as all he wanted and desperately needed was to escape his father. Once Lyle confronted their father about the abuse, they had a huge blowout and their father threatened to kill the both of them. 
The brothers then decided they wanted to go buy guns to protect themselves from their father. Soon after, after their huge argument, Kitty and Jose told the boys they were going on a family fishing trip. The boys were terrified their parents were going to kill them, and they knew if it did not happen then, it would happen after the trip. The brothers stated that on the trip, they did not speak one word to their parents, and the entire trip was silent in the most fearful hours of their lives. The next day, Jose had told Eric to go into his room, implying he was going to sexually assault him. Eric and Lyle quickly grabbed their guns, then went downstairs into their family room and shot their parents. Afterwards, they needed a cover-up so they wouldn't be suspects and went to the Batman movie. Post-Batman, the boys came home and called the police where Lyle hysterically cried on the phone asking for help. Now, what made Jose and Kenny Menendez victims? There are many theories as to what really happened, whether the brothers wanted their father's inheritance and they made up their abuse story, or if they were truly sexually and emotionally abused and feared for their lives. Again, there are two theories about the psychological factors in the crime, whether or not the boys wanted their family's money or if they were true victims and acted in the form of self-defense. Therefore, they were targeted either because of their money and the son's opportunity to cash out on their inheritance, or they were targeted because of their own actions throughout their son's childhood. So the question is, how could law enforcement possibly make a decision on what to do with the brothers and whether or not they were the true victims? There are both positives and negatives that law enforcement brought throughout the case. The negative aspect would be that the brothers were not considered suspects in the beginning, as the police and detectives did not want to upset the brothers, as it appeared to the public their parents had been shot and there was not a chance their own children could do it. However, once the abuse allegations came out and the brothers were pleading for manslaughter so they could get a shorter sentence, the juries were left stuck in the trial and eventually had to have two new trials where the abuse was not allowed to be spoken about. This is when the brothers were convicted of murder. Overall, due to the public scrutiny and conflicting stories, the law enforcement handled the case in a positive manner and tried to be respectful of the boys. However, in the end, they were charged with murder. As far as trait theories go in this case, the brothers definitely had an influence on each other and developed the same behavior, which was critical influence in their younger years. Eric even stated in court he looked up to his older brother, Lyle, and it would be easy to conclude Eric would imitate his brother's behavior and go by Lyle's lead. Coincidentally, my dad personally knew Lyle Menendez and was in the same fraternity as him. Unfortunately, we cannot interview him on the podcast as he is away for the week on business. However, I was able to ask him questions about Lyle. He said no one had any idea or suspicion that Lyle could have been the murderer. However, everyone found it extremely strange that Lyle was spending such absurd amounts of money. My dad vividly remembers asking someone if he was okay when they responded by saying, yeah, he just bought a Rolex in a chicken wing restaurant in Princeton. A few days after Lyle had gone on a supposed vacation to Canada, my dad said that he returned one day from practice and ran into an FBI agent looking for Lyle and his friends, and that is when he knew something was seriously suspicious. So what do you think about it? In my opinion, I think that they're lying, and I think that they just wanted the inheritance money. Just because of the way they went out and spent frivolously after, and all these things didn't really come up until after the fact. Yeah, I can see that, but in my opinion... I think it is true, and it didn't come up till after the fact because they never wanted anyone to know because they were embarrassed afterwards, and they didn't want their father to be mad at them if they had told someone. But they ended up being convicted guilty. Yeah, thank God. Put them behind bars. So, well, thank you for listening to our podcast. This was the Lauren and Lindsay Podcast Network. Rate, review, and subscribe. Um, You can find us on any of your streaming platforms. Uh, Have a nice day. Bye.